0: Now, at 9 p.m. tonight, the sky over Edinburgh is going to light up. The festival has come to an end once again. And to celebrate, a quarter of a million people will gather all over the city, on Prince's streets, on Carlton Hill, on rooftops, everywhere, to see 100,000 fireworks go off. And so my aim tonight is to try and finish by 9 p.m., now, someone who spent a lot of time looking up at the sky was a person called Douglas Badder. Douglas Badder. Let me share with you his amazing life story. It was shown on television last week in a film called Reach for the Sky. Does anyone see it? Reach for the Sky. Apparently it was. Let me share with you his story. Douglas Badder was born in London in 1910. He won a commission to study in Oxford. And in 1930... He was commissioned as an officer in the Royal Air Force. However, after only 18 months, Douglas crashed his aeroplane. And tragically, he lost both of his legs. But here's why his story is so amazing. Listen to this. When World War II started, he rejoins the RAF. And he was an inspiration to the nation. Now if you were to summarize Douglas Bader's life in one word, okay, one word, what would it be? Courage, exactly. He lived courageously. And for all of us folks tonight, there will be times when we need courage. I like how John Wayne once put it. Courage is being scared to death, but sadly not anyway. For example, it may be courage to tell the truth. A couple of weeks ago, Alison's mum was over from Northern Ireland with Alison's sister, along with two other females. So that made it five females in my house at the same time. Now on a Saturday morning, these five females went shopping in Edinburgh. And they left behind a pizza in the fridge. Now they were hoping it would still be there on their return. I wonder if you can guess what happened next. Their lovely pizza somehow, magically, just disappeared. You see, I didn't realize it was to be kept. That's my excuse. And so I ate it, every last bit of it. And I later had to own up to these five angry, ferocious females. Courage! Now, you might need courage for other occasions. Going to the dentist, sitting your driving test, starting college or university, and bidding for a contract at work. But, you know, there will be times when you need courage to stand up for what you really believe in. Okay? And that takes real guts. Back in the 15th century B.C., there was a man called Amram and a woman called Jokbed. And they were people of courage. Now, hands up if you've heard of Amram or Jokbed. Okay, a few. Now, what about their son called Moses? Hands up if you've heard of Moses before. Everyone's heard of Moses. Well, watch this. Without the faith and courage of Amram and Jokbed, Moses may not have lived beyond a few days. Now, I want to just observe here. Four vital lessons from their lives. Number one, they faced a big dilemma. Two, they had a believing heart. Three, they took a bold step. And four, they looked forward to a bright future. And so the first is this they faced a big dilemma. If you turn to Exodus chapter 1, Exodus chapter 1, it was a time of crisis. So let's look at their situation. At the end of Genesis, the end of Genesis, what do we find? The people of Israel are living in the land of Goshen in Egypt, and everything seems to be going so well. Joseph, you'll recall, had helped to make Egypt into a great nation. And so in gratitude, Pharaoh gave the Israelites this land. I think there's a picture on the screen coming up. And life seemed good in Egypt. I don't know if you saw on television during the week a program called Risking It All on Channel 4. It was about two guys, Richard and Craig, and they had invested £35,000 in starting their own hairdressing business. The things I watch to get several illustrations. But after only 12 months, they had made 10 times that amount. Okay? And life for them seemed good. Now that's how it must have felt for the people of Israel. But now, in Exodus chapter 1, look how things have changed. It's hundreds of years later, and notice Joseph has died. Look with me at verse 6, chapter 1. Now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died. But the Israelites were fruitful and multiplied greatly and became exceedingly numerous so that the land was filled with them. Now, here we come to the chilling words of verse 8. Look at verse 8. Then a new king, who did not know about Joseph, came to power in Egypt. And listen, this new king was not a nice person at all. He was the Hitler of the 15th century BC. He feels threatened by all these Israelites. And so what does he do? Verses 13 and 14, look down. He enslaves them. And he puts them to work in pyramid and city construction. And then in verses 15 and 16, chapter 1, it gets worse. He orders a genocide. Every son born into the house of Israel was to be killed. And that is the crisis facing Amram and Jokbed. You know what I found? I'll tell you. We all have our own story. Yes? We all can tell about a crisis that we have had to face in life. And it could be in our family, in our relationships, in our work situation, or our health. So let me ask you this. How do you respond? How do you respond when life takes you all the way to the ragged edge of reality? How do you cope? Well, notice, it was not only a time of crisis. It was also a test of courage. A test of courage for Amram and jockbed. Let me share with you a story I heard about courage last week, and I thought it was great. Listen to this. It says here, the party aboard ship was in full swing. Speeches were being made by the captain, the crew, and the guests enjoying the week-long voyage. Sitting at the head table was a 70-year-old man who, somewhat embarrassed, was doing his best to accept the praise being poured on him. Earlier that morning, a young woman had apparently fallen overboard. And within seconds, this elderly gentleman was in the cold, dark waters at her side. The lady was rescued, and the elderly man became an instant hero. When time finally came for the brave passenger to speak, the stateroom fell into a hush. As he rose from his chair, he went to the microphone. And in what was possibly the shortest hero speech ever offered, spoke these stirring words. I just want to know one thing. Who pushed me? Amram, I thought that was great. Amram and Jochbed were facing a test of courage. And what do you think went through their minds? What am I going to do? Will I take the easy option, or will I do what I know is right? And then we're going to find the secret of their courage, and it's this: they not only faced a big dilemma, they had a believing heart, and we see this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. So, flip back over, Hebrews chapter 11, and verse 23. Notice what it says. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. Note that phrase. No ordinary child. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. Abraham and Jockbeth had a believing heart. I like the story about George Whitfield, the famous 18th century preacher. One day he was preaching to some coal miners. You may have heard this before. And he asked one man, what do you believe? Well, I believe the same as the church. And what does the church believe? He asked. Well, they believe the same as me. he was getting nowhere. Whitfield said, And what is it that you both believe? Well, I suppose the same thing. And the point is, what we believe is important. C.S. Lewis, in his typical clarity, put it well when he said, You never know how much you really believe. Anything... Until its truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death. It is easy to say you believe a rope to be strong as long as you are merely using it to cord a box. But he says, suppose you had to hang by that rope over a precipice. Wouldn't you then first discover how much you really trusted it? So let's take a look at what they believed in. Two things here. Firstly, they believe that God is watching. God is watching. Now, did Amram and Jokbed have it easy? What do you think? No way. Imagine you were them. Do you love God? Yes. Is your desire to serve him? Yes. Do you think that God has a plan for your life? Yes. Yes? Now, look at the crisis that you're in. Let me ask you. How would you feel? Does God really care about me? Archie Kendall wrote a great commentary on Hebrews chapter 11. And here's what he says about the major life lesson, which Abraham and Jockbed would never forget. Okay, he writes this. Listen to this. We often tend to think that God has forgotten us. Especially if events in the world create an atmosphere charged with wickedness and utter unbelief. But it continues, the story of Moses, listen, should remove all doubts as to God's care and concern for his own. For when we are not thinking about God, he is still thinking about us. The things which concern us, concern him. Our concern for him is intermittent and vacillating. His concern for us is constant and steady. And I love how the Bible puts it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. Amram and Jokbed knew that. Faithful one, so unchanging. Ageless one, you're my rock of peace. Let me illustrate this. I don't know if you heard on Wednesday about the CNN broadcaster. I found it all rather amusing. CNN's Kyra Phillips was enjoying a makeup break from the set of the daily news program called Live From. And during Kyra's break, the news program was broadcasting President George Bush's speech live from New Orleans. And so was the chance for Kyra to catch up with a colleague and talk about her husband and how she felt quite deeply about her sister-in-law. And yet, unknown to Kyra, her microphone was still left on. And millions of Americans heard on their television sets during the president's message, no less, every word that Kyra said. Can you imagine? That would be horrendous. And the point is this. She thought she was alone. But she wasn't. Now, in a far, far greater way, and in a good way, God is watching over us, even when we don't always remember that. As the psalmist could say, your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. And so they believed. That God is watching, and secondly, they believe that God is working. God is working, and there are two parts to this. And here's the first one: God is on His throne. Okay, God is on His throne. You might wonder if you ever buy a newspaper, okay, and you ask yourself, "What on earth is happening in this world? Yep, what is going on? Terrorist suspects in Britain and car bombs in Iraq. Well, Amram and Jockbed must have asked that. But consider this. Think about this. Even when some things were a mystery to them, okay, they still trusted in God. And why? Because God is on his throne. And he is working out his glorious eternal plan. Let me remind you of the breathtaking scene in Revelation chapter 7. It says this. After this, I looked, and there before me, was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language. And that includes the Philippines, standing before the throne, and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes, and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. Folks, that is a tremendous assurance tonight, that God is on his throne, but it gets even better because God is on your case. Take a look at verse 22 of Exodus chapter one. Notice what it says. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people: every boy that is born you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. Amram and Jochebed had every reason to be afraid. Correct. The what does Hebrews chapter 11 say? It said, and they were not afraid. Why? Because God was on their case. Isn't that great? It's tremendous. Folks, I wonder if you and I, tonight, really, 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 really believe that. That our lives are not in human hands. Our lives are in the hands of the almighty creator, God. As the prophet Isaiah could write, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. So let me suggest something. Tonight, as you go outside, and as you look up at the sky and the fireworks, remind yourself of this. Who is on my case? Who is on my case? It is the creator of heaven and earth and so for Amram and Jogbed they faced a big dilemma they had a believing heart and now thirdly they took a bold step they took a bold step now when I was younger there was a song I used to love singing and we sang it this morning you know what it was? yes be bold be strong the Lord your God is with you with the actions and we find this in chapter 2 what does it tell us in chapter 2? it tells us they took a bold step Theodore Roosevelt who's the a former president of the United States. And he once gave a great speech in Paris at the Sorbonne. And here's what he said about taking that step, that bold step. Here's what, he, here's what he says. It is not the critic who counts. This is great. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbled or where the doer of deeds could have done better. Listen to this. The credit belongs to the man or woman who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes short again and again, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, and spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows achievement, and to at the worst, if he fails, at least fails, while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat." Wow, I like that. So let's think how we can apply this boldness to our own lives. And we're going to ask ourselves three practical questions. One, what decision must I make? Number two, what does God say? And number three, how will I respond? So let's look at the first one. What decision must I make? Now obviously, some decisions are of more importance than others. For instance, tomorrow night, a Monday night... I am taking my nephew, Daniel, to the Commonwealth Pool in Edinburgh. He has just turned 13 years old last week. He has far too much energy. And he likes to think his Uncle Richard is really quite cool. So I have a choice to make. Will I live up to that image of being quite cool? an attempt to dive off the very top diving board? Or will I not? Now that's a fairly trivial decision. Yes, quite a small decision, correct? Unless you happen to be me. But you may have to make an important decision at your work. Or maybe it's a family issue. Or maybe it's about your university or school. And maybe for you, that decision requires courage. Okay? It takes guts to do the right thing. Amram and Jokbed had a choice to make. Would they obey Pharaoh and turn their child over? Or would they not? So how do you decide on that question? Well, here we come to the very heart of it. What does God say? What does God say? Notice again verse 2. Notice verse 2 in chapter 2. It says that Moses' parents hid Moses from Pharaoh. You see, they knew, they knew, that it would be wrong to allow their child to be taken by Pharaoh. Their conscience told them that. But there's something else. Look at verse 2 very closely. Look what it says. When she saw, Moses' mother, that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. In other words, when Moses was born, his parents knew there was something special about him. He was no ordinary child, as Hebrews says. And notice carefully, here's the point, this insight came from God. John Calvin put it this way. Calvin said, Possibly there was some mark of future excellency impressed on the child which gave promise of something extraordinary. Now the point is this, listen, if you want direction to make the right choice, okay? if you want to know God's guidance in your life, then spend time reading the Bible, God's revelation. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Here's our last question. How will I respond? Now in the end, it wasn't that difficult really. If you've ever watched the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston, you'll know what happens next. And we find out in in verses 2 and 3. Verses 2 and 3, so what happened? They hid Moses for three months, and then they put him in a little boat on the River Nile. Warren Wearsby writes this. It is no wonder that Moses was a man of great faith, seeing he was nurtured by parents who had such courageous faith in God. Listen to this. Never underestimate the influence of a godly home. It can affect the destiny of a nation. Now, I don't know what decision you are facing tonight. It could be something as trivial as jumping off a diving board, or admitting that you ate a pizza belonging to five angry ladies. Or maybe something much more important. We listen to these words that Paul wrote to Timothy. Let me remind you. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. That's so what have we find found so far. Amram and Jokbed faced a big dilemma. They had a believing heart. They took a bold step. And now finally, and we're on track, they look forward to a bright future. A bright future. And in a few moments' time, the sky over Edinburgh is going to be bright. And for just a few minutes tonight, that's going to happen. But watch this. For Amram and Jokbed, their future is going to be bright. Not just for a few moments, but forever. You see, God had a purpose for their son Moses, which was to rescue his people from Egypt. But listen to this. There was a much greater plan that God was preparing. A plan to save his people from all the nations over this planet. And again, another child was born. Again, it required parents of faith. And again, a king sought to destroy this child. And every Christmas we sing about this wonderful child. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by. Born not men, no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. And like Moses, listen, this child was no ordinary child. He was extraordinary. The most extraordinary child ever born. Born of a virgin. Born of the Holy Spirit. And born to save. And that is wonderful. As the angel said to the shepherds out in the field at night, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ. The Lord, I wonder tonight if everyone here knows Jesus. I wonder that tonight. I like the story of General von Zeeland. General von Zeeland was a devout Christian and a valiant soldier for the Persian king, Frederick the Great. And yet, in contrast, the king was an agnostic. And one night, the king and his men were together at a festive gathering. And there at the gathering the king began making crude jokes about Christ until everyone was rocking with laughter. All but General von Zeeland. And finally he arose and addressed the king. And he said this, Sire, you know I have not feared death. I have fought and won 38 battles for you. I am an old man. I shall soon have to go into the presence of one greater than you, the mighty God, who saved me from my sin, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom you are blaspheming. I salute you, sire, as an old man who loves his saviour on the edge of eternity. Brilliant. Let me ask you this. Why can you face your greatest challenge with courage? Because of Jesus. Why can I take a stand as a Christian in university or school? Because of Jesus. Why can I refuse to do something that is morally questionable? Because of Jesus. Why is cancer not the end? Because of Jesus. Why can I live for Christ in that office? Because of Jesus. Why can I share my faith with my boss? Because of Jesus. And why do I know That God is working. Because of Jesus. Let me close with these words from the angel to the shepherds. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people today. In the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ. The Lord. Wonderful Jesus.